Bokar Tov. We're studying chapter 24 of Sefer Shemuel Bet. This is the last chapter of the entire book. So we're about to, we're ready, we're already in Siyum territory. The last chapter of the book is going to be the sixth addendum. The sixth Nisbach or appendix or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's going to be another story that parallels, remember the ABCCBA? So it's going to parallel story A. Remember the story A? There was a famine in the land because the Gibonim were upset at Bnei Israel. Remember that? Now there is going to be a plague in the land. Okay, But we're going to see why the plague comes about. It's a very interesting story. The story is going to conclude, interestingly, with the purchase of the site of the Beit HaMikdash. It's going to be the purchase of the site of the Beit HaMikdash from uh, Aravna. The Jebusite, who is famous for holding on to or owning the land of the Beit HaMikdash, what that has to do with this story is going to be one of the key questions. Okay? So it's very important to understand. There's going to be a plague, but it's going to end with the purchase, and the plague will practically end with the purchase of the site in Yerushalayim. And we're going to have to try to figure out what this whole story means, because it's a very, very, very cryptic story, very hard to understand, just like some of the other... Uh, addendums to the book of Shemuel were also a little bit difficult to understand, just like the story with the sons of Shaul getting hanged was also difficult to understand. So we're going to have the same level of difficulty here. Chapter 24. And God got angry at Israel. And he, he caused David to err with them, saying, He caused David to think, Go count Israel and Judah. Isn't counting supposed to show like love? Well, not 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 necessarily. If you look at Parshat Kitisa, this is you have to count people. You collect machatzit shekel, lest the people die in a plague. Meaning, if you count the people unnecessarily, it's a sin. Right? That's why we use the machatzit shekel and we don't count their heads. Okay, and even that, according to most of Hashim, is only allowed to be done with the machatzit shekel if there's actually a need. To count, but even if you use machasita shekel and there's no need to count in Israel, it is a grave sin, and the punishment listed in Parshat Kitisa is that there will be a plague if if you count the people unnecessarily. There's a plague. Look up the first pasuk of Kitisa. And count them with the machasita shekel so that there will not be a plague. Mashma, that if you do not use machasita shekel there. Will be a plague, okay? So it's definitely a sur to count, and all the mafarshim say that it was already it was known to be a sur to count. So we have two problems in this first pasuk. First of all, it seems like God is angry at Israel. God is angry at Israel, and then He causes David to make the mistake of wanting to count Bnei Israel. He sways David in a way to count to cause to. Cause damage to Bnei Israel by counting them But who is the one who's at fault here? Who is the one who is known to be sinful From the Pasuk? Am Israel. Now this is a famous place where Rashi He does sometimes He says Lo yadati alma. I don't know what God is so angry at Bnei Israel for I have no idea what God is angry at Bnei Israel for Because we don't know The previous chapter was about what? Counting the The leaders. generals The generals of the army of David so what happened all of a sudden that Bnei Israel is, that the God is so angry at Bnei Israel? We don't have any backstory. So some of Farshim say it was about the rebellions of Absalom, of Sheva ben Michri, that they supported rebellions against David, that they're getting punished for. Uh, let me see if there's another. Shmuel wrote, who wrote the book of Shmuel? 
they say it's Shimuel and Natan, I think. Shimuel wrote the first half and Natan Alavi the second half. I believe. Don't correct, don't quote me on that. <coughs> um, some he said maybe there are people that were committing sins in private. Some say it was the it was the the fact that they supported rebellions. And there is one more opinion, by the way, which fits in with the end of the story, which is because Bnei Israel did not ask for the Bet Mikdash to be built. They had so much going for them. The kingdom was so established. David was such a good king. And Bnei Israel did not ask ever for the Bet Mikdash to be built. So Hashem gets angry at them. And he says, you know what, David, go count them so I could have an excuse to punish them. Again, that's also weird. That's the second weird part of the Pasuk. Because if you're upset at Am Israel, why are you then causing David to sin and count Bnei Israel against the Torah in order to punish them? Punish. It's just just punish. It's just a strange opening with a lot of questions right off the bat. Okay, mm-hmm. pasuk bet. I don't know the answers to all the questions, but we'll, um, I'll bring up the questions. Pasuk bet. Would right? you maybe scare them that they're being counted, and that they'll be like, "Oh, here it comes." Maybe a chance for teshuva. Uh, I don't know. I, I you know what I think honestly is the answer is that sometimes the way. You know, Borei Olam will, will, on the one hand, it doesn't necessarily mean that David had no free will in counting Bnei Israel, right? Mm. So David made his choice to sin. He's going to admit that he sinned later when he realizes that what he, shouldn't, he shouldn't have counted Bnei Israel. Right? On the one hand, David sins. And on the other hand, it causes a plague in Bnei Israel because he sinned. Now, at the same time, Bnei Israel also happened to, to deserve it. You know, so nobody's being forced to do anything here. David happens to have the free will and he commits a sin that causes a plague in Bnei Israel. It happened to be that at that time, Borei Olam was upset at them. Amisel, so they deserve to have a plague anyways. Wow. Meaning these things just aligned, mm-hmm. which is very typical of God's providence. Mm-hmm. That things just align perfectly for the situation to match what Borei Olam has envisioned. Mm-hmm. Okay? Go through all of the tribes of Israel from Dan to Be'er Sheva and count the people so that I shall know the number of the people. Why was, is David thinking he wants to know the number of the people? Probably to know how many soldiers he has, especially after two rebellions. He wants to see, all right, who are my, uh, pe- who are my soldiers after these two rebellions? How many people are in Am Israel? And Yoav says to the king, God should add to the people like them and like them, meaning, meaning multiply them, a hundred times. And you see, I don't know what, what he sees, but you see, why should you count, why would you want such a thing? Why would you want such a count? Why do you want to count Bnei Israel? Yoav clearly knows that what? That this is Asur. Yeah. That this is against what is stated in Parshat Kitisa. He knows that we don't like to just some count Bnei Israel. So Yahav is telling David, let Hashem add to them. You already know how many people there are. You already know that you have a standing army. Why do you need to count so many? Why do you need to count them for? It's an unnecessary count. But, but the, the word of the king overpowered Yoav, meaning he, he said no. Um, he, he overwilled him. Right? And, he, and the people that were in charge. And Yoav and his people and his generals went before the king to count Bnei Israel. At the end, David says, No, I insist. So he overpowered them. And Yoav said, Okay, that's what you want. That's what you want. You're the king. And he goes and he counts them. By the way, the fact that Yoav 
is like the general here also tells you that this story probably isn't in chronological order. No? That what, that is he what? not the general anymore? Because whenever he killed in, she- in, the, in, the, in the battle, in the Sheba bin Mikhir rebellion, yeah. remember who became the general? Amasa, yeah. right? He, he killed, killed Amasa. And then he killed Amasa. Yeah. And then he took his spot, but we don't, even in the list of his generals, of David's generals, Yoav was absent. Remember? Maybe we said that the other guy. So we said maybe the other guy was Yoav. Adino. Okay, but that's not Peshat. I would have named him Yoav, wouldn't have named him Adino, right? But, but the fact that he seems to be on like just perfect terms with David here, after killing David's general, we don't know that he's on such, term, such good terms with David. In fact, if you go according to the chronological order and you look at what happens next at the beginning of, Peshat, of, of Sefer Melachim, what is David's first command to Shlomo? Look out for Yoav. He's not a good guy. Look out for Yoav. Make sure he doesn't die in peace. That's what David's going to command Shlomo. Which means David technically, from where we are in the story, after the death of Sheva ben Bichri and the end of that rebellion, it doesn't seem like David and Yoav should be on such good terms. Remember, remember when we learned about... Um Meaning, meaning I'm only using that as proof The fact that he just Buddy-buddy with David yeah, here And doing but, his bidding but, I think this is probably Another story That's not necessarily In uh, Maybe also order. David also learned After that incident That Who was the other general That you all killed? Amasa Amasa Remember he was slow He wasn't able to do yeah, it fast Yeah David was used to Yoav's like Speed And his, his uh, Experience So he learned that Okay If I need I something of importance him. I need Yoav we don't, we don't really know. We don't have closure on the story of how much David liked Yoav uh-huh. after the, the end of the rebellion. But I would assume they weren't on the best of terms because of what he says to Shlomo right in the next psukim, in the next book. Okay? So they went to, they crossed the Jordan and they encamped in Aroer, east of the city that was in the, that was in the, in the Nahal, in the stream. Hagad um, Yazer in Gad and to Yazer by Gilada they came to Gilad Bel Eris Takhtim Khotshi they came to the land of Takhtim Khotshi by Yavo Dana Yaad Besavi Bel Sidon they went to all these different lands by Yavo Miftsar Tsor Bechol Arya Chiviv Yakinani they came to the uh, the play, the what towns no Miftsar is like a um, stronghold the stronghold of Tsor the fortress yes fortress of Tsor and all the Chivi cities and the Canaanite cities by Yetzel Negev Yehuda then they went to the south where Yehuda was Be'er Sheba to Be'er Sheba by Yashut Tu Bechol Ha'aretz they traveled throughout the entire land by Yavo Miktzet Tishach Hodashim Yashim Yom Yushalayim and after 9 months and 20 days they come back to Yushalayim with the final count and Yoav gave, gave the number of the count of the people to the king. And how many were they? There were uh, 800,000 men who were of battle, who can wield a sword. And of Yehuda, there were 500,000 men. Side note, side note, uh, this same story appears in Divrei Hayamim with a lot more detail. Okay? And in the Divrei Amim story, there are very many differences. Divrei Amim was written, they say, by uh, Ezra Nechamia, I think. Okay? A much later book. Much, that's why it's part of the Ketuvim, because it was written after the destruction of Bayt Rishon, according to a lot of opinions. But, um, but, uh, think. So, so, uh, what was I going to say? So, so one of the things that's different is the number of the people. Mm-hmm. Divrei Amim has like, 
maybe 1.1 million Israelites and 470,000 Judah people. You could see in the Mepharshim that there's a difference and then they go to lengths to try to answer. Maybe one of the counts included Levim, the other count didn't include Levim, and they have all these different answers. But I'm just pointing out that if you know the Tanakh and you study Divrei Yamim, you'll come to different numbers in the story. And the stories, these stories especially, they have moderate differences. What's the importance of Uh I don't know. I'm just pointing it out so you know. I don't know if there's a real importance or enough coming up. And David's heart struck him after he had counted the people. So David says to God in his typical fashion of immediately doing teshuva after his sins. He says, I've sinned greatly that I did this thing. And please God, please get rid of the sin of your servant. Because I've acted foolishly, I've greatly foolishly or very, uh, very foolishly. So David gets up in the morning. David gets up in the morning after he makes his tefillah. Apparently, he made this tefillah at night before he went to sleep. And God, his uh, word came to Gad Hanavi. It's the only time we see Gad Hanavi. Other times we saw Natan Hanavi, right? Mm-hmm. Now we see God for the only time in this book, and who was the seer of David. Lemor saying, Haloch el David, go say to David, such as Sergar, I am offering you three punishments, David, for what you did. This is what God is telling David on behalf of Hashem. Okay? I'm offering you three punishments for what you did, and you, David, have to choose which punishment you will accept for atonement. It's a very weird story. I mean, very fascinating story. Almost done. Uh, you have to accept which punishment you're going to see. And we're going to see the three punishments. Bezat Hashem. Tomorrow. Hopefully, we could even finish the book tomorrow if we really hustle. Baruch Amen. Amen. Amen.